It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you. If you would be opening your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, we'll continue to study in that chapter again tonight. Uh, what a wonderful singing, what a wonderful time to be together to worship God. Uh, this afternoon, if you can imagine the parking lot filled with young people and luggage and vehicles, 98 young people have gone to camp with about 40 adults. Uh, that will be there with them and helping. And it was, a, uh, it was a beautiful sight. And to think of the potential of the good that can take place this week and the spiritual growth that can take place. And let's all be prayerful about that. Phil did want me to remind you that if you have children that are not in high school, they will need to return home Thursday evening. And the bus that they will be on will be in this parking lot at around 10 o'clock. And so you may want to be planning on that. And then the older children will return on Friday. Keep in mind, uh, the Summer Faith Series begins this Wednesday night. And Brother Don Humphrey, uh, one of our own, will be talking to us about growing through grief. And this is a wonderful opportunity for us to invite people that we know that this would be a great encouragement to them. What a wonderful way to open the door uh, to find someone who is in pain that is seeking answers uh, during that time of pain. And so uh, be thinking about who it is that you could invite. And of course, you need to do that today or tomorrow so that they'll have time to plan and be a part of that. Uh, also, uh, this afternoon, the Kibis, they uh, had a wonderful baby shower here, very generous. And then to think that they'll go straight from the baby shower to a worship service and then right over to the hospital. That's, that's planning out the day. That's getting things... Uh, uh, really structured there. And uh, let's be sure and be prayerful for them tonight. Be sure when you pillow your head tonight that you say a prayer for them uh, that their night would go uh, just wonderful. Also, be praying uh, for those that we have that will have surgeries this week. We have several that of our own members. Uh, it's important even if it's family members of our members. But this week, there's several of our members that are having surgeries or procedures. And let's make sure that that we're aware of that, let's make sure that we're praying about that, and let's make sure that we're following up to support those families and those individuals in every way that we can. Taking the opportunities that God places before us and doing what God would expect. Let's make sure we simply do that in our lives. Do you like change? You know, a lot of us would have to say, probably, if it was just an immediate answer, many of us would have to say, no, I, I really don't like change. I sometimes make a, a joke and say, I have my life in a rut that I like, and I plan to keep it there. But you know, when we think about change, that is a broad topic. What if someone says to you, spiritually, my life hasn't changed in years? Would that describe your life? Have there been any spiritual changes in your year, in your life in the last year, the last 10 years? Tonight, I want to challenge all of us from the Word of God that there is a continual change that is to be taking place in our life. Just as we see a tree go through the seasons of growth, or just as we see clay on a potter's wheel turn from the simple clay into more than that, God designed Christianity to be a transformation, not in a single point in time, but God designed this transformation to be a lifelong journey. 
Look with me, if you will, and we'll have some slides tonight, but I hope you'll open your Bible also so that we can uh, look even beyond maybe some of the verses that are on the slides. If you have your Bible open, let's look at 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and let's look at verse 18. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18. You remember, we went over the introduction, if you will, to this chapter where Paul was making the plea to them that they are our letter, they are our epistle, is what he was saying, epistle written by Christ. But now he writes a beautiful, beautiful writing about the new covenant and about the good that can come about when we live a life in the Lord and by the Lord's covenant. And he concludes this chapter with verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face... Now that's making reference back to Moses when he came off of Mount Sinai and his face was glowing and he had to veil his face because it made the people uh, frightened. And so now he's comparing that to Christianity... Those that put their faith back in Moses or those that put their faith in Jesus. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When we look at this verse, here are the three points that we're going to try to study and and apply to our life tonight. First is we see a vision here, and the vision is uninterrupted. In other words, Moses had a veil that separated his vision and the people's vision of even Moses. But that veil's been lifted through Jesus Christ. Even glancing into the most holies, the veil when Jesus died was rent from top to bottom so that clearly mankind could approach the Father through Jesus Christ. So now we have an uninterrupted vision. But we also have a reflection, because notice it was beholding in as in a mirror, the Lord, from glory to glory. And so we have that spiritual vision that we need to develop tonight as we think about that uninterrupted vision. What about that spiritual reflection? Now, this, these two things ought to lead to a transformation in our life. Now, let's begin with that third one, because that's what we're working toward. And then when we, when we see what we're working toward, let's drop back and look at those other two so that we see why we're doing those other two. So first tonight, let's think about this. What does it mean when we talk about a transformation that here, he calls it glorious. He says from glory to glory. Let's think about this glorious transformation. Look again at 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. And notice as we go to the next slide... Notice there we have some words picked out there out of this same text. Now notice the words that we start with is the beginning of the verse, but we all. Now I'd like for you to notice in your verse there, there's two phrases that are marked by commas. Now they're important, but I'm just saying so that we can understand this point, let's take those two phrases out for a moment. So let's take out the next two phrases with commas and let's read it like this. But we all are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, who is it that's supposed to be transformed? Well, someone would say, I'm sure that that's that young convert that they've been baptized into Christ and there's so many changes they need to make in their life. Yes, that'd be true. It would be that new convert. But you see how Paul puts himself in this verse? But we all need this transforming. Paul wasn't a beginner here. Paul wasn't a babe in Christ here. 
I would suggest that Paul was probably as mature spiritually at the time he's writing this as anyone in this audience. The point is, Paul's writing to say what all that claim to be committed to the Christian faith ought to be about. That is, we all need to be making changes continually in our life. But how are we to do this? Well, let's notice this next phrase as he says, are being transformed. It's a consistent thing. It's not something that happens uh, sporadically in our life or occasionally in our life. By God's design, every day we're growing closer to the Lord and not only closer, but more like Him. Look again how he says, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. You see, that's what the end is. The end is, we're wanting to be more like Jesus every day. I'd like for you to look at a couple of passages with me. Look back in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. These two passages that we read, you're probably going to know these verses. You're going to be aware and have studied these verses. But I'd like for you to study these verses in the context of growth here and how it's to be a continual growth. But then note this marked by what we're striving to grow into. In other words, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I think about growing as a Christian, it's somewhat foggy, that thought. It sounds good, doesn't it? Well, sure, I want to grow as a Christian. But what does that mean when I say, I want to be stronger in my faith next year than this year? What does that mean? Well, in this lesson, one thing we see is that we keep our eyes on what we're growing to become, and that is the mark that we're striving to reach each day. So let's look at this. It's it's looking at the image of Jesus and saying, I want to be more like that image of Jesus from glory to glory, from one brilliance or brightness or radiance to another brilliance and brightness and radiance until I'm finally, ultimately, I share in the glory of Jesus for eternity. Now look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and verse 15. Beautiful passage here. I'd like to back up to verse 14, which is not on the screen here. Notice in 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the tricky of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. You see, now he's laid out the idea of there was a time that we can be immature in Christ. When we're babes in Christ, there's a time to be children in Christ, but we shouldn't stay there. We need to continually grow in Christ. Notice as he puts that mark that we're striving to obtain in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. It is growing to be like Christ, growing up in all things into Him. I need to evaluate everything I do and say, how can I do that to be more like Jesus? How can I think to be more like Jesus? How can I study to be more like Jesus? How can I forgive to be more like Jesus? How can I go through the difficult times of life like the Garden of Gethsemane and be more like Jesus? How can I learn to sacrifice and be more like Jesus? How can I have those good times, those mountaintop experiences in life and be more like Jesus and have those difficult 
dark valleys and be more like Jesus. Friends, that's the goal. Back up a page in your Bible to second chapter and verse 10. Ephesians, the second chapter and verse 10. For we are His workmanship. I can't help but think of a woodworking shop when I think of this verse. If, if I were going to give this verse an analogy, I can just imagine a, a beautiful piece of furniture there and someone walking by and saying, Wow, that is beautiful. Look at that design. Look at the skill. That, that's a marvelous piece of furniture. Who did that? And the piece of furniture says, I did. No. No, the piece of furniture didn't do that. Maybe there's some good about that furniture, but there would be a skilled carpenter somewhere that would say, um, I made that. We are the Lord's workmanship. Whatever there's good in our life, that is His workmanship. If, we're Christians. Let's read the rest of this verse and talk about that just a little more. For we are His workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Has anybody ever said to you, you know, that, that was really so nice what you did for us. I, I don't know how to thank you. You're, you're just really a wonderful neighbor. I, I appreciate so much that kind of thoughtfulness. Let's make sure that we understand that whole picture the way it really is. Why were you thoughtful like that? If we're humble, we know why. Because we're His workmanship and He taught us to do that. Have you ever given something and, and someone come back and say, I don't know how to thank you. I, that was exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. Thank you so much. How did that happen? Because you were being His workmanship. What kind of person are you in relationships? Your brother, a sister, a, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a, a good friend? Are you what you ought to be in that relationship? If you are, other people appreciate that. And when they offer words appreciating what you are in that relationship, are you aware of the fact and are you humble enough to say, what I am there that's good, it's simply because of His workmanship. He taught me to love like that. He taught me to be unselfish like that. It's not me. It's God working, continual. It's God working on me. Friends, what we want to do is we want to have this glorious transformation where all through our life, we not only do these things, but we ought to be aware of these things and give God all the glory, all the credit. If, if, I'm a, if I am a brother and a sister in Christ with you, and I've only been a Christian for 10 years, my blessing to you ought to not be nearly as great 
is if I've been a brother and sister in Christ for 30 years because I want to be growing, transforming more into His image every day of my life. Now let's go back to the text. We're in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And as we see this, what we're working toward, we're working toward this glorious transformation. But now notice as we think about that, it is available because of that uninterrupted vision. Look again at verse 18 where he says, But we all with unveiled face behold in a mirror. In other words, there's nothing hindering us from understanding everything we need to understand to be everything that we could be as a created workmanship of Jesus Christ. Moses, when, when he came off of Mount Sinai, he was up there for 40 days. Now, you remember Exodus teaches us that he didn't have food or water. So we know it was a miraculous occasion already. And so God had sustained his life. And now when he sends him off, we see even more miraculous things. And I I use that to mean supernatural. When he came off that mountain, his face had a glow about it that would not have been earthly. It would not have been natural. In other words, there was a glorious radiance that came from an eternal perspective, from the divine perspective. Being in the presence of God gave him that glow. It scared the people. And so when Moses, not knowing at first this was happening, figured out the the fright of the people, he began to cover his face with a veil. So drop back, if you will, and look at verse 12. In verse 12 of our text here in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, Therefore, since we have such hope, I love these phrases that he mixes in the third chapter. Here in 12, he talks about such hope. Back in verse 4, he talks about such trust. You see, these are things we have as our life is being transformed. So here in 12, he says, we have such hope. We use great boldness of speech. Note that. Boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over the face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Why do you have, Paul, such hope? Why do you believe that it is possible for you to be transformed continually until that final day that we'll have the ultimate transformation to be with the Lord. Paul says, I have that hope because I'm shown something that even Moses and the children of Israel never saw. To simply drive this point home a little more, turn in your Bible to Matthew the 13th chapter. I don't think we have a slide for this. Matthew the 13th chapter. This is another way Jesus tried to show people the gift that we have when we have Christ and His covenant. He quotes from Isaiah in Matthew the 13th chapter, the first verse we're going to read, and then Jesus elaborates on it. In verse 15 He says, Matthew 13, 15, For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. See, these people are having trouble seeing, hearing, being healed, etc. 
Why? Let's read on. Now, this is Jesus' explanation. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men, and right here, Luke's account would say, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Friends, the Old Testament prophets knew something grand was coming. They couldn't wait to see it. But they didn't get to see it. They knew that it must have been awesome. But they didn't get to experience it. I've tried many sermons and many lessons. I don't know how to illustrate in a way to drive home to myself or to you the gift that we have of Christ and His covenant. The veil's been lifted. We can't hide behind any excuse of, if I could have just understood better, if there would have just been something greater offered. Under the old covenant, there was still a veil. The greatest had not yet been offered. There was still some confusion in their minds of exactly what Christ would be, who the Messiah would be, the blessings that the Messiah would bring. Oh, they knew the Messiah was coming, but they couldn't see it. It was all in a prophetic sense. So now Paul writes to those people in Corinth and he says, listen, your life is to be a continual transformation. Make sure you realize the awesome gift you have in Christ. And whatever you do, don't go back and try to link that and live by the old covenant also. Don't try to hide under Moses' veil with him. Don't try to see through Moses' veil. The gift is what Jesus offers of him and the new covenant. Now, with that in mind, let's look at the next point, which is our final point tonight. Notice the spiritual reflection. And this is really where our daily activity comes into play in this particular verse. You see, he says there in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, talking about our spiritual reflection, he says, but we all, with unveiled face, here it is, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Beholding. It means literally to stare constantly. Beholding, as in a mirror, is the idea back in the day this was written, the mirrors that we enjoy today were not available. If many of us have probably seen in certain settings mirrors that are just metal and they're polished, and if you want to see your image, unlike a mirror that we're accustomed to in our home, this mirror, you kind of have to stare at it for a moment. And, and you almost have to think about, okay, I'm going I'm to look at my hair for a minute, or I'm going to look at my shirt, and, and you really have to focus. That was more of what their mirrors would have been like. Here he says, I want you to behold. I want you to stare, and I want you to focus. And did you notice what we're focusing on? The glory of the Lord. Now, what were we supposed to be transformed into? Remember, we're being transformed into His image. What are we doing? We're looking in Christ's covenant and we're seeing the Lord. 
We're looking at all the teachings of the Lord and we're loving everything the Lord has done for us and we're appreciating it and we're living for it and we're beholding that day in and day out. And our goal, we're beholding it for a reason. We want to become more like Him. The next time somebody cuts us off in traffic, we want our reaction to be, I'm staring at Jesus. How would Jesus handle this situation? When things are rough in a relationship, how would Jesus handle this situation? How would Jesus look at doctrinal issues? How would Jesus look at moral issues? We're looking at Jesus, striving to grow and to be like Him. Back up, if you will, to verse 4. And as we think about this spiritual reflection of seeing Jesus, notice how he links this to Jesus in verse 4. And we have such trust. There we go again. We've read about such hope. Now we have such trust. Some of your translations say such confidence. We have such trust. We have such confidence. Where did it come from? Through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. God. Now that's one point. The only sufficiency we can have is when we're staring in that image and we realize the only way we are what we need to be and we have what we must have is because God's given it to us. Through Jesus Christ, God's given it to us. We can't make it without Him. But now notice what He links with this sufficiency in Christ found in God. Verse 6 who also made us sufficient as ministers or servants of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We have that sufficiency so that we can serve and minister under the new covenant. That's our compass. That's our road map. We want to be able, as we are beholding the image of Jesus, to find Jesus in that new covenant and study Him and His ways thoroughly and seek to grow more like Him every day. What are we striving to become in His image? Let's close by reading two passages here. The ultimate transformation we want in our life, 1 John, the third chapter. Notice what he says in verse 2. Behold, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, talking about Jesus' second coming, when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And we don't know exactly what that change is going to be when Jesus comes again, but we know there's going to be a glorious change in our bodies. That is referred to in many verses in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, I want to back up to verse 40, and he says, There are many celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun. There's another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. From one star differs from another star in glory. You see what he's saying here? These people are having a difficult to understand how there could be a resurrection if you put a body in a grave and the body decays. 
how can there be a glorious resurrection? And he's saying, don't you realize that God has always been able to create various bodies with various degrees of glory? So if God can create many bodies of various degrees of glory, He can give you a body of one degree of glory now, and He can resurrect you with another body of another degree of glory. That's why He says in 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. Now let's skip down and read 51 and 52 that's on the screen here. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The sleep there is death. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Who's going to be changed to enjoy a glorious body that is like to Christ, that we can live for an eternity in heaven with the Father. Who's going to have that? The way we'll answer that tonight is this. Those people that have been changing to be more like Jesus every day up until their death. Friends, if I haven't been changing, transformation... If I haven't been transforming my life to be more like Christ, Christ's second coming is not going to be a good thing for us. You like change? When it comes to transformation, I hope every one of us can say, I love it. I behold Jesus as in a mirror, and I want to be more like His image from glory to glory. That's what I get up every morning to accomplish in my life. And it's not because of our goodness. It's because of us being clay and being His workmanship. Are you allowing God to work in your life? Have you ever become a Christian? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? If you're a believer that's willing to repent of sins and, and you're willing to confess before me, and won't you be baptized into Christ tonight? That's the transformation that we need to make in our lives. Maybe you've done that and somewhere along the way... You've started living more like the world and, and you need to transform your life again by seeking God's forgiveness, by repenting of sin and confessing it before men and, and having that slate washed clean. And in doing so, we're transforming our life. By the grace of God, we're transforming our life to be more like Jesus. I hope and pray that each one of us will do what we need to do during this invitation song. But I also hope and pray every one of us will give thought tonight. How can I this week live a life that will be transformed? This week. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing. I've found my Lord and He is mine. He'll 